on America Can We Talk. I talk about election integrity, border security, healthcare freedom, race relations, energy and tax policy, education policy, free speech and assembly, freedom of religion, and all other issues that touch on the God-given right of every American to life, liberty, and the pursuit of their version of happiness. Stay tuned. Coming up next, America Can We Talk with your host, Debbie Georgiatos. And hello and welcome to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie Georgiatos. I'm so glad to be here today. We're having a little bit of trouble with the sound. Let's welcome home today. I hope the sound is okay for you. Um, but I will tell you what I want to talk about today. I have a great, great show planned. And we're hoping everything can work out sound right. So what I want to talk about today I'll remind you yesterday that on this show, I had a great guest join me in studio in Dallas. Uh, his name is Dr. Kenneth Price. He was the author of a book called Separated Together, which he wrote about his own in-laws experience in the Holocaust. I mean, literally living through the Holocaust. It was a, it's a really, a really well-written well book, a really thoughtful book. One of the topics we got to toward the end uh, was looking back now as historians have many times looking back now to say you know couldn't something have been done to stop adolf hitler uh what was the right priority for the countries around germany the countries dealing with germany and the citizens of germany and you know it got you thinking got everyone thinking about you know the idea of what is it what's the really high priority uh that we need to be doing in america today what, what are our highest priorities to uh deal with our um uh, to, to deal with our country, what we should be doing as a country. So I wanted to start by uh, the show today. A, a quick time to talk about my uh, topics for today are Fix America First, Fix America First, uh, Climate Alarmism, A Cruel, Dangerous Fraud, COVID Vaccines, A Cruel, Dangerous Fraud, and Gender Lunacy, Another Cruel, Dangerous Fraud. But to start with, so Senator McConnell, Mitch McConnell has been out uh, for a long time, he hasn't not been present in the Senate, even though he is a minority leader. He's a Republican Party leader in the Senate. And um, he was back yesterday, uh, and there was a, a lengthy uh, series of remarks given by Senator Thune, who many people think is likely to be the replacement for Mitch McConnell once he moves off into finally retiring or something. Uh, and Mitch McConnell looked not well. I mean, he was standing next to Senator Thune, and Thune is talking away. Um, and uh, and making remarks that were helpful. And um, I'm sorry, I need to try to fix this sound. I don't know if this sound is even working on this microphone. Anyway, um, so Thune is doing this talking. McConnell's standing there looking kind of puzzled and looking kind of um, out of it. I mean, he looked quite gaunt. He's obviously lost weight during this um, this health episode he's had. Um, but he didn't look really, did not look with it. But he managed to put a tweet out, which is one of the things I sent to uh, my happy producer, Emilio, uh, this tweet was the, the kind of um, prioritizing by Mitch McConnell, it seemed sound like to me, prioritizing about, you know, what's the most important thing to be focused on. So of all the issues facing America, what Mitch McConnell sent out was this tweet, you can see it on your screen. It says, uh, Speaker McCarthy reminded everyone yesterday 
of his ongoing support for aid to Ukraine, equipping Ukraine to defend itself as a direct investment in American jobs and our own national security. But at every turn, the Biden administration has dragged its heels. At POTUS must get serious. So of all the things facing America, what Mitch McConnell decided to tweet out about was, you know, why don't we send more money to the Ukraine? I meant to look it up before I got on today, but it almost doesn't matter. We are printing money and sending to the Ukraine in, in unbelievable numbers. I mean, we have, I believe we sent more of the Ukraine than we spent on the Vietnam War. It's something amazing like that. We just keep on sending money. And, you know, obviously uh, the battle goes on. Uh, you know, Russia hasn't really made much progress there. It's questionable if we should be in the Ukraine at all. All we ever uncover about Zelensky, the head of Ukraine, is more corruption, more, um, more problems. Um, and, um, <clears throat> so, you know, so it's a frustrating thing. But it kind of, when I was reading about what McConnell chose to say, it reminded me of something that I, I was a good springboard for today. We have in this country such serious issues, and we have leadership of the only conservative party that even exists, and that they're not even conservative consistently, the Republican Party. And this is kind of what, what McConnell's message was, was kind of signaling that this is the biggest thing going. Making sure we send more and more money to the Ukraine is the most important issue imaginable. So I want to just mention quickly what McConnell should be turning about, what he should be talking about. If he's going to be the leader, which he really isn't anyway, but if, he want, if he's going to be the leader, he's going to be galvanizing the conservatives responding to the base that elects Republicans to the Senate and the House, responding to the base of voters who still want America to be America. He should be talking about the border, which is not only unenforced, it is now dangerous, as we've been covering on the show. We now have military-age young Chinese nationals, meaning people from the country of China, lining up and entering the caravans that are coming across our southern border. And we all act like we can't figure out whether that's a problem. We have observers, commentators talking about it. We have brave Americans going to the border, videoing it, trying to point out. And it's like, where's the government? Where is this, the conservative government? So Mitch McConnell should have texted about that should be talking about the irrational, out-of-control spending that just kind of spews out of Washington endlessly, the debt going up and up. Uh, we, have, we have no faith in our election system and no serious effort out of Washington or really any state in the country, because the state should be in charge of election policy. No one trying to fix that. Not nearly enough attention being paid to China, we, at least on the House side, where there is a House committee looking into the corruption of China, and the, and the stated effort of China to relate, replace America as a single superpower of the world, Mitch McConnell not tweeting about China, um, he not tweeting about the fact that Medicare is going to run out of money, and we all know it's going to, not tweeting about the massive, massive problem ongoing in America of the biopharmaceutical giants having, they call it regulatory capture, the pharmaceuticals supposed to be regulated by the CDC and the FDA and the NIH are actually controlling the CDC, the FDA, and the NIH. They're, the biopharmaceuticals in control, it's called regulatory capture, not talking about that kind of, you know, it's not a military industrial complex, it's a biopharmaceutical bureaucratic industrial complex. Uh, we have a senile president who's, uh, I mean, 
who's in any sane world will be removed by his own party. Uh, and we have this impending disaster of the central bank digital currency, where we literally have the Democrats announcing, yeah, they're pretty much going to take over. They're going to take over the money system in America. We have another big bank failure. We have a facade of, don't worry, the government's taking care of everything. Well, the government taking care of everything and covering all of the uh, losses far in excess of what the FDIC guarantees to depositors. And when the, when the government covers that, those deposits, of course, it really means you're covering the deposits, you, the American taxpayer. We have a, a, a plethora of very serious problems in this country. And the best Mitch McConnell, the big issue you can think to push out and really speaks about at other times, having said it, the number one priority is more money to the Ukraine. It is an embarrassment to the Republican Party. That guy still has any job in leadership and an embarrassment that we don't have more Republicans screaming from the rooftop to get this guy out of there. But I want to turn to, you know, I, I'm, I called in for a segment, Fix America First. You know, when we <clears throat> look at the issues, challenges facing America, anytime you have someone in Congress pushing on, but yeah, let's, uh, let's send more money to the Ukraine. Let's send more money to help them fight against Russia. Let's send more. I mean, we've depleted our oil reserves. We've depleted our military supplies. We've depleted our armaments. We've depleted our ammunition. Sending to the Ukraine, uh, with, led by a, a leader, Zelensky, who is himself very dictatorial. I mean, he's eliminated all political opposition. So uh, any political opposition party is illegal. He's eliminated a free media in that country. He's behaving very much like Hitler. I'm not saying Zelensky is Hitler. I'm saying Zelensky's behaving like that, though. Very same things Hitler did as he rose to power. And what we're doing is sending him more. We're helping him. And Russia has, as you know, mentioned, barely made an incursion into the Ukraine. I understand the whole domino theory. We don't want to have Russia, Russia taking over the world either, as China wants to. But we have to get our own house in order because as America gets weaker and weaker and weaker, we are vulnerable ourselves. We shouldn't be vulnerable, but we don't have enough people in Congress, in the U.S. Senate, in the U.S. House, putting the agenda, the protection of America first, putting the issue of fixing America's problems first. So I'm going to hit just three of them today because there are kind of amazing things happen um, on, on many issues. But I'm just going to hit on, uh, start with climate alarmism. So just to be clear about a few things with climate alarmism, uh, I'm going to share with you in just a moment a bunch of the um, information that was included in one of the most extraordinary public documents that anyone can read. It's linked again on our website today. It's linked. It's called, uh, it was actually a public comment submitted by two professors, William Happer, um, yeah, William Happer and Richard Lindsay. And they are actual doctors, like PhD doctors, uh, professors, one of Earth Atmospheric and Planetary Sciences at MIT, the other professor of physics emeritus at Princeton. They submitted a comment uh, to the SEC as the SEC was contemplating a new rule. The SEC rule was going to require corporations in America to make even more disclosures about their CO2 emissions. And they, and they, this SEC, said they needed public comment, public input. Uh, how much more information under this ESG standard that we're uh, trying to uh, strive to achieve, how much more information should we require of all of these um, entities? And so of all these corporations. 
these two professors submitted a brilliant and lengthy and footnoted and data-filled and graph-filled document available to the public, linked to our website again today, americachemistalk.org, americachemistalk.org, linked at our website. Uh, you can go and see this document, um, which they submitted. But they just, I'll tell you the opening statement they had to say, and then I want to turn to what's really happening with climate today in America, what's happening with the, the, uh, the push toward climate alarmism. In fact, I sent this one, this is kind of a captured opening statement uh, set, uh, include, included um, in this filing with the SEC. And Mr. Emilio, what I'm talking about is uh, six. It is, um, it is clip six. This is what these, these professors who have putting everything in line to speak the truth, they said, as career physicists, science demonstrates there is no climate-related risk caused by fossil fuels and CO2. Let me repeat that. Actual professors at premier institutions, they, science demonstrates there's no climate-related risk caused by fossil fuels and CO2. Thus, no scientific basis for the proposed rule. And if adopted, disastrous consequences for people worldwide and the U.S because it would reduce CO2 and the use of fossil fuels. They're talking about the reduction of the use of fossil fuels, the reduction of CO2 in the atmosphere would be bad, contrary to the climate change lunacy embraced by the left. I'm just going to uh, quickly tell you some, uh, show you a couple clips. So uh, first there was testimony um, in Congress. Uh, there are two different ones I want to show you uh, that were just amazing. Um, one was um, Senator Hawley, uh, this was clip two, Mr. Mueller, Senator Hawley uh, was uh, questioning the interior, the Secretary of the Interior named Secretary, and she's former Senator, former Congresswoman, Representative Secretary of the Interior, Deb Holland, H-A-A-L-A-N-D. I have a quick clip of him talking to her, and to understand what's happening, you know, the background of this, the, uh, and she's Secretary of the Interior, the job of the Secretary of the Interior, the Department of the Interior, they have massive power over climate policy, massive power over mines, M-I-N-E-S, you know, the uh, ability of people to do mining over energy production, massive, massive power. And she's been shutting down. Um, in fact, she, what she did this year, she banned mining. Uh, this was, she was called before Congress because she had banned mining across 225,000 acres near Duluth, Minnesota, which of course eliminates jobs. So here's Senator Hawley uh, doing questioning the uh, Interior Secretary Holland. Jobs for blue-collar workers in this nation are valuable resources. The livelihood and well-being of American families are valuable resources. The ability of America to have our own industry and not be dependent on China is a valuable resource. Why should those things for millions of Americans be sacrificed in, in favor of your agenda for radical climate change? Senator, I, I know that uh, there's like 1.9 jobs for every American in the country right now. So I know there's a lot of jobs. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're telling me... <laughs> You're telling me we've got too many jobs in the country? 
Well, I'm saying that we don't have enough people. That's why we are um, having a hard time finding folks to work at our department. But oh, wait, can't. you're telling me that we have too many jobs for blue collar work. Have, have you seen the number of jobs we have lost in this country to China in the last 20 years? Jobs. Yeah, we can, we can stop him. Yeah, um, that idea. What she's saying, I want to be really clear who she is, because it matters to understand you got to connect climate policy to the communist agenda in this country. And I'm fully aware that many, many people, as soon as you try to connect climate to politics, there's all sorts of leftists just having meltdowns online, you know, keyboard warriors having meltdowns. You can't call climate, you know, uh, political. It's just science. It's just science. When I show you in a moment the real science, the actual data that are out there for anyone to read, including her, she can read this data. She can understand there's no reason to cut back on CO2. There's no reason to stop mining. There's no reason at all. She knows this. The climate agenda is a political agenda. I just want to just quickly tell you about her in case you, um, if you, we talked about her once when I had, I think I had Trevor Loudon on my show. Uh, he was talking about, you know, when she was nominated to serve as Secretary of the Interior. First of all, she had no background at all in energy. She knows nothing about energy, but she's going to be the Department of Interior Secretary. But she was pushed into that job through a woman, orchestrated into that job, uh, through a woman uh, who's an absolute open, radical communist, um, and who pushed her into that job. Uh, and her, the woman's name is LeBlanc, Judith LeBlanc. Judith LeBlanc was the one who orchestrated behind the scenes the whole nomination to get Deb Holland uh, of New Mexico into the job of Secretary of the Interior. Deb Holland, open member of the Communist Party of the USA, travels around the world talking to the communists gathered around the world um, and pushed this woman into the climate, uh, into the job of the interior uh, because she, she herself, Deb Holland, connections to communism. The communist agenda is alive and well in America. Holly gets pushed into this job. So she's shutting down mining operations, shutting down jobs for Americans, and, and I mean, just, just cluelessly, or it's not even a fair word, intentionally causing harm to America's economy and working toward, of course, the whole agenda uh, of getting rid of CO2, getting rid of the use of fossil fuels, which, of course, if you're going to do that, you know, you're going to have to have energy from somewhere. And that leads me to the next point I want to share with you. There's a new report out talking about this green energy push, which is behind the Biden administration. Uh, big, you know, green energy push, which Deb Holland is totally behind. Uh, you end up depending more and more on China, depending more and more on China, uh, developing rare earth metals and other mineral elements, cobalt and lithium, that are largely and mostly available in China. You have the Chinese Communist Party controlling nearly the entire global supply chain for the things that we're going to, to need to create all this allegedly abundant renewable energy. So you have, you're endangering America, you're having a communist who has no idea about energy in or a communist sympathizer type, uh, service secretary of the interior, and she's willing to shut things down, can't shut things down fast enough, people losing jobs, Josh Hawley's trying to say, hey, wait, 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 you know, what are you doing here? And you can just, she's, the notion, in fact, part of her testimony, which is really important to know, part of her testimony was, she's aware, she really is aware that when you shut down all these mining operations, when you shut down fossil fuel production, 
you do cost American jobs. You will have Americans lose jobs. You have Americans, therefore, with, without income. You have Americans uh, far less available energy than we would have had. And she basically saying, yeah, it's okay with me because climate change. Everything that she wants to do, the destruction of jobs in America, the fossil fuel industry, the production of energy in America, all that's okay with her because climate change, even when she is confronted with, has pointed out to her, you're really emboldening and enabling China, our worst enemy. So that's happening on the energy front. Then there was another clip to share with you, uh, which is actually really kind of entertaining, uh, which also had to do with uh, climate. And uh, this one was, I guess, find it for you, Mr. Emilio. Um, this is clip four. So this is um, the Biden administration, um, the Biden Deputy Energy Secretary, the Biden Energy Deputy Secretary is asking for 50 trillion, T as in trillion, as in, I can't even think of a funny word to say, just lunatic, $50 trillion. This is what the Biden uh, Deputy Energy Secretary wants in order to fund the shift to, to end us to where we have uh, we eliminate the use of fossil fuels entirely by the year 2050 and getting at the point because it deals with climate change. Because if you do that, if you eliminate fossil fuel, don't worry, we're going to get there in fighting climate change. So this is a great clip, an interview with Biden, Deputy Energy Secretary, uh, wanting to spend $50 trillion, wants Congress to authorize that. And this, the question in this case, is uh, Senator Kennedy from Louisiana, who is hilarious. Let's play that clip percent of global emissions. Yeah, but if right you could now. answer my question, if we spend $50 trillion to become carbon neutral in the United States of America by 2050, you're the Deputy Secretary of Energy. Give me your estimate of how much that is going to reduce world temperatures. So, so first of all, it's a net cost. Um, it's what uh, benefits we're having from getting our act together and reducing all of those climate benefits. We're seeing Let me ask again, maybe I'm, being, right now maybe I'm not being clear. If we spent $50 trillion to become carbon neutral by 2050 in the United States of America, how, how much is that going to reduce world temperatures? This is a global problem. So we need to reduce our emissions and we need to do everything we can. How much, if we do our part, countries. is it going to reduce so world we're temperatures? So we're 13% of global emissions. You don't right know, now. do you? You don't know, do you? You can do the math. We need to. You don't know, do you, Mr. Secretary? So we're 13% of if global If you know, emissions. why won't if you we tell went, me? If we went to zero, that would be 13%. You don't know, do you? You just want us to spend $50 trillion, and you don't have the slightest idea whether it's going to reduce world temperatures. Now, I'm all for carbon neutrality, but you're the Deputy Secretary of the Department of Energy, and you're advocating we spend trillions of dollars to seek carbon neutrality, and you can't, and this isn't your money or my money, it's taxpayer money, and you can't tell me how much it's going to lower world temperatures? There, or you won't tell me? You know, but you won't? In my heart of hearts, there is no way the world gets its act together on climate change unless the U.S. leads. Tell me how much it's the going US to reduce. You, can, you okay, can't tell. We're done. This goes on and on. There was, was like a three-minute clip, and I didn't want to spend that much time to show it. You have to understand, these people... I, I do want to make the argument about climate change today, both about the pragmatics, the facts, as many, many, many people, uh, educated climatologists, scientists are trying to say, I want to talk about the facts, and then I want to talk about the politics and the agenda. Because you have to understand, climate change was a brilliant topic 
for leftists who always wanted uh, socialistic, communist-type control um, over the people. It's a brilliant topic because it drives fear into the hearts of ignorant people. We'll talk about them in a minute. Uh, many people feel they don't really understand climate enough. And after all, they think, well, I'm not a climatologist. You know, I'm just a hairdresser. I'm just a, you know, architect. I don't know what. I, I don't know. So I have to listen to the experts. What they're positing, what they're trying to do in climate is use the topic of climate to convince you to give away your freedom. And I want to, this particular example is a great one. Every time anyone presses, anyone who's pushing the climate agenda, all they really say is, at the same point the World Economic Forum says is, give us all your money and we'll fix it. And they, they use climate fear, they use climate warming, they use damage, my gosh, the whole world's being destroyed by climate and climate change. There's never, there's anything more than their hysterical meetings when they fly around the world in their fancy uh, CO2 producing jets, fossil fuel burning jets, to talk to each other about how much they want to keep control of people, we're going to hit that too. But the larger point I want to make, you look at, at, at what you need, we need to do in America to get America back on track. We need to get on top of this climate change um, argument and make the truth known, make the facts known. So this guy obviously, and he should know, he's the Deputy Secretary of the Department of Energy, couldn't answer the question, uh, you know, Senator Kennedy obviously gives up on him. But I also want to turn now to the data that um, I've sent several uh, slides to uh, Emilio, and th these are all taken from this, I mentioned earlier, there's this great, great report uh, submitted by two doctors, uh, two PhDs to the SEC, uh, and they called it again, comment uh, and declaration of the SEC's proposed rule. It's basically about climate stuff, about using the ESG policies to push more control over corporations to disclose their climate, uh, their, the alleged climate impact. And again, their opening statement in this lengthy footnote report said basically, said precisely, as career physicists, science demonstrates there's no climate related risk caused by fossil fuels and CO2. Just absorb that. There's no climate risk. In fact, many, including these guys say, we actually kind of need more CO2. We need more CO2. Okay, moving forward, I sent a bunch of clips uh, to Emilio, and I want to be sure I can try to get them in order. I don't know if I can get them in order, but in any case, uh, let's just turn to the first one, uh, Emilio. There's the, uh, what I sent you. Um, let's go with actually clip seven. Just look at clip seven. Okay, and for people listening online, if you can't see this, I will just tell you, it's not hard to follow. So clip seven that, that we are looking at, this is part of the report by these two doctors. The gist of it is it has two side-by-side -side charts and the charts um, look identical in, in um, the movement of the lines. They have uh, one line um, is blue and one is red um, and they're basically talking about, uh, they're, they're tracing um, uh, temperature um, and um, CO2 levels uh, for two different periods of time two different periods of time. And so they have, um, on, the, on the one, um, so they have, again, one of these, these charts, if you look at it at a flash, you say, oh, they're, they're identical. That's just, if they copy the same thing twice. One is uh, recording information from, related to 18, from 1895 to 1946. So before you have massive fossil fuel use, before you have, uh, you know, the internal combustion engine burning up fossil fuel. So one is 1895 to 1946. So it's basically a 50 year period. 
And the other one is 1957 to 2008, which is also basically a 50-year period. These charts are identical. And what they are telling you is the average global temperature for these two periods of time is the same from the period before we have the combustible engine, the internal combustion engine, before we use so much CO2 and cars and airplanes and such. The data, this is this is data, not just you know speculation, data from you know well over hundred years ago, sorry, 1895 up to 1946, we had the same in average temperatures uh, that we had in the 1957 to 2008 period when cars and airplanes came on the scene. So that is one chart just to keep in mind. You can't even tell the difference. This whole claim that climate change came along and you know everything got out of whack just is unconnected to reality. Okay, the next one we have, Mr. Emilio, of his charts. Um, and I want to just, and the reason these are so important, if you are watching this, I urge you to take a picture, take a screen grab, or come back and, and take a screen grab when you can. Uh, this next chart, again, has two colors on it. Um, one is related to CO2. The blue line is CO2 levels, and the red line is temperature. They happen to do this in, in um, centigrade, but either way, it's temperature. So it's CO2 levels in blue, and the um, temperature, average temperature in um, red. And so they're starting back, how far back this goes, um, it goes back to, um, I can't even tell how long back this goes, it goes back a very long time um, into, oh, oh, I see, okay, okay. Anyway, uh, it, it goes back to the Precambrian period, Precambrian period, the Paleozoic period, the Mesozoic, the Cenozoic, meaning going back thousands of years. And among the things you can see, they're able in the, uh, to determine uh, temperature and CO2 levels by digging into the ice in the Arctic and Antarctic. And you can just see at various points over thousands of years, you can see that at some points, for example, the, um, in the Precambrian period, I think this, I, I, don't, I don't want to say the wrong uh, year number, but they're trying to get the idea that you can have a very, very high level of CO2 in the atmosphere and, and, and a, a big gap between showing the temperature. So making a point that this great thing climatologists keep saying is, oh, if we have more CO2, it's gonna make global warming. There's no basis in reality for that. And it goes on through history. It has times when the numbers, when the blue and red lines cross each other, blue and red lines cross CO2 and temperature, times when you have the CO2 level very high, but the temperature is very low, times when you have temperatures really high, but the CO2 level is very low, and this is, so I mean, it's, it, this data I'm talking to you about, it exists for everybody in Washington, every person arguing, trying to make money off of climate policy, um, it exists for them, and they just, they, they just don't address it. The, the people are, who are climate alarmists, who are pushing for, um, you know, pushing for $50 trillion in spending and, 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 and pushing to 15-minute cities, which we're going to get to in a moment, they never have to answer for what the heck are you talking about? What are you talking about? One more chart, and that is a, it's a great one also, um, which is it's talking about uh, the amount of CO2 in the uh, environment now as opposed to millions of years ago. So, for example, if you look at, again, the Precambrian, Cambrian, uh, Ordovician, Silurian, 
a whole bunch of these eras, they name these eras in history. But you go back uh, almost 600 million years ago, and in fact, at 550 million years ago, the uh, amount of CO2 in the atmosphere, a CO2 concentration, PPM, uh, particles per million, was way up at almost 8,000 in 550 BC, as compared with, relatively speaking, zero now. I mean, you stare at these charts, and I did, by the way, friends, at our website, AmericanCommunityTalk.org, I link to all of these, this report. I urge you to read it and to send it to your friends who are concerned about climate change, because the data are there. You can come back to me now. The data are there. I can spend the whole rest of the show. Um, uh, you can go back to me now, Emilio. Um, but you could, you could, you could spend, you know, weeks and weeks studying this and sending it out. And you kind of realize these people coming to Congress and the World Economic Forum and all the other places they come to make demands about climate, they're never held accountable to reality. Never. They're never held accountable to facts, to data. And they just get to spew cause alarm. I want to tell you briefly on the subject of causing alarm. Um, I did go back and find that story. Uh, the reason I think this climate stuff, you know, it's not just it's not just a policy distinction or a battle between scientists. It has to do with human freedom. It has to do with human freedom because CO2 has enabled the world to become more agile, more flexible, more able to travel. You know, back when, before cars and trains existed, most people probably never traveled two miles away from the, wherever they were born in their whole lives. People today have the freedom to travel and freedom to travel is, is a huge part of this freedom to live your life as you want. And so, but what's happened with climate change is it has caused so much fear in young people. I mean, it's a cruel policy. I'm gonna get to 15 minutes days in just a minute. But one of the little things to remind you of, of how hysterical the left has managed to get many ignorant young people about climate change was remember when Donna Brazil was, she was the head of the DNC and she was having a staff meeting after 2016, after Hillary lost. And there was a staff member in there who was hysterical that Hillary lost the election, really, really liked Hillary and yelling or didn't like Hillary, was yelling at Don Brazil saying, you know, we lost because you picked a bad candidate, blah, blah, blah. But this staffer at the DNC ends up yelling at Donna Brazil, uh, who was then the DNC chairwoman, uh, interim chairwoman, sobbing, this 26-year-old, I think it was, sobbing because he says, listen to this, you're part of the problem. You and your friends will die of old age. I'm going to die of climate change. You and your friend, let this happen. And which is going to cut 40 years off my life expectancy. These people, these young people have been dutifully submissive to exactly what the climate change alarmists want them to do, which has become so fearful, they can't even function. One thing on climate change, which has to do with saving America and understanding these issues, I want to talk to you, I think I haven't even talked about this in the show yet, but there's been a lot of talk about the um, idea of 15-minute cities. 15-minute cities, or they say that's our 20-minute towns. But the idea of it is, the World Economic Forum, understand, the international globalist communists, which are the World Economic Forum, who want nothing more than to control everything, they have floated the idea that 15-minute cities should kind of be the norm where everyone lives. And what they mean by that is 
you and everyone should be shuffled into living in one of the areas they are going to construct and develop where basically everything you could ever need is available to you within 15 minutes walking time from your home. So your hairdresser, your grocery store, your dry cleaner, whatever you need, you know, everything you need, restaurants and shopping, so you don't need a car. And they're saying, isn't this beautiful? You know, we're gonna have these wonderful places that people can live in those cities, they can walk everywhere, and they put all sorts of puffed pieces out about, it'd be so nice because we'll have, you know, more um, understanding, we'll have, we'll, we'll create closer friendships because, you know, people have more time to connect, makes better community. I mean, they're just, you know, effusive about what a great thing this is, and you won't need cars. Who needs a car? Just stay where you are. Okay, and so, so this idea is being floated, and of course all the climate alarmists love it, and they're pushing it right and left. But it's an interesting thing has happened because, you know, in fact, I can tell you, I went to a seminar years ago on the Constitution, and there was a really great constitutional lawyer speaking. He was making the point, you know, the, the um, promise in the Declaration of Life, Liberty, Pursuit of Happiness, that you should think of liberty and you think of liberty in terms of, you know, don't lock me up or don't charge me with crime that I didn't do. I mean, I, liberty to not be locked up. But liberty really has a bigger meaning. It's, it's to live your life as you want to. And this idea of liberty, uh, this even years ago, before climate change got completely loony, the idea of liberty was, he said, includes the idea that you should be able to travel. If you want to live your life, you know, you want to you, you want to go on vacation, dri driving vacations, you want to go to the national parks, you want to tour the whole country, or, I mean, cars provide freedom. Cars are almost equivalent to freedom. They give you access to travel when you want, not when the train or bus schedule may permit you. And, and so anyway, this 15-minute city is a really uh, up-and-coming idea out of the left, this idea that we're making progress, we're developing a new world where everyone's gonna live in the units we tell them to live in, and they're gonna have temperature-controlled homes that the government can control, they're not gonna have cars because they don't need them, and you will be one of the little mind-numbed units controlled by, um, controlled by what the government does. And I wanna talk about that just for another minute about, you know, I, I'm always trying to, or I think of analogies to movies quite often. I don't know if you ever watched the Born, all the Born movies, Born Identity and Born Agenda and all those. I watched all of them. They're great movies to watch while you're working out, you know, because you, anyway, I work, I watched them all. One of them, and I don't know which one it was, but one of them, Jason Bourne, wants to go back and um, find this uh, young, this young woman, uh, he knew her, she was a younger, but she's not a young woman living on her own in Russia. And I believe it's supposed to be, I don't know if it's post-communism or not, but anyway, She's living in Russia, and he goes all the way there, um, and he has to try to find her. And he goes to the original address he has, and they said, no, she moved out to, and they give him, it's like, you know, Unit 17 in the Trotsky buildings, whatever they were. It was some Russian name. The whole point is, you know, he goes to Russia to find this girl, and all of these uh, massive housing units built in Russia um, are just, they're identical they are drab, they are dreary, and they're high rises or whatever they are, 25 or 30 floors, and there are 10 of them in a row, you know, they're all the same, and you know, they're dreary and they're dark, and so he goes there and finally finds the right unit and talks to the girl. He goes there to tell her, because he had, when he was a bad guy, he had actually killed her parents, 
and tried to leave the impression that, you know, I think it was her father killed her mother or whatever it was. And he wanted the girl to know, you know, your parents didn't kill each other and they didn't kill themselves. You know, I did it. He's confessing. He just hopes maybe, I guess, makes her a little happier about her life that he's being, she's being told your parents didn't really, neither of them killed each other, killed themselves. But the whole point, if you can picture that scene, picture that scene or picture the scene you've seen in China of these massive high rises they build. The point of a totalitarian style government is to keep the people under control, keep them packed into certain areas and not permitted to other areas. Or even if they don't say you're not allowed to travel, they make it impossible to travel. You have no place to park your car, no place to purchase gasoline, no, I mean, no, you just, you end up because of policies unable to travel. This is a totalitarian uh, person's dream that you won't have freedom. And so why it has been, so I will tell you the 15 minute city thing because the um, World Economic Forum has been effusive about this and pushing it out. And I saw articles today that were talking about how it's already all the left-wing sources like CNN had articles saying how, well, there they go, all these, you know, all these conspiracy theorists, you know, first the conspiracy theorists tried to tell you that the 2020 election was stolen. And now they try to tell you that the COVID vaccines aren't safe, and that's ridiculous. And now they're trying to tell you uh, that these 15-minute cities are somehow conspiracy or somehow driven by communism. And, you know, honestly, it's getting to be the point with CNN and others on the left that if they call something a conspiracy theory, which is their, they use that term to embarrass people, to silence people, to make people unwilling to explore ideas, because after all, you know, I don't want to be called a conspiracy theorist, so I'll just go along and I'll agree that the 2020 election was valid, that the, the vaccines are safe, that there's no bad agenda behind the 15-minute cities, but there is a bad agenda. And if you are a leftist and you are hugely into climate change, whether you know it's a hoax or not, you know, you're into controlling people you see these 15-minute cities as like almost like a nirvana, a utopia. Look at this. We can we can just you know get all these crazy people who might otherwise think for themselves and act for themselves and and you know and travel freely. We're out of our control. We can keep them condensed right in where we're telling they have to be. I, I mean, it couldn't it, it couldn't be more brilliant if, if you are a if you're a leftist. Um, and so they and they don't even see it as evil. I mean, I'll give it give them that much. They don't see it as evil. They think it's just hunky dory, it's just you know, great way to control people. So 15 minute cities coming, um, and I do think, and I, I actually have seen not exactly 15 minute cities, but even here in the great state of Texas, I've started to see some of these um, ideas developing. Some of these not just ideas, but developments uh, coming into fruition where they're kind of saying, um, yeah, you know, this is really great. You can live all in the same area and. And, and, you know, a common pool and common, uh, you know, you have a tiny little unit and they're all exactly the same, but look how free you'll be. You know, you'll, we'll take care of everything. It's a very government controlled vision for what life and free uh, and, and society should look like. Anyway, on what I'd rather have the Republicans fighting for in Washington, like McConnell just fighting for more money for the Ukraine, I want him fighting for the ideas of America, fight against climate extremism, expose climate extremism, say we are, of course, we're going to protect the environment, but we're not going to take away the freedom of the American people by pushing the radical climate agenda. We're not going to destroy jobs. We're not going to destroy the fossil fuel industry. 
We are not going to be fearful and afraid of CO2. If Mitch McConnell were an actual, honest, conservative leader, these are the kind of things you should be talking about. I also, you know, I, I, I mentioned briefly about the COVID vaccines. They're another cruel and dangerous fraud. I mean, I, I call all the things that climate alarmism, COVID vaccines, and this gender lunacy, they're all cruel, dangerous frauds. And I'll turn to the COVID uh, thing just very, very briefly. Again, what I'm talking to you about today, these are all on our website. You can read the articles I'm talking from. And I really, truly, deeply, I urge you to do that, to go read them yourselves, because you can listen to the show, whether you're driving or whether you're watching live, whatever you're doing. And, you know, I, I give you accurate, accurate summaries. I am very, um, very reliable as a source of honest, true information. I read a lot. I provide the information to you so you can read it. This is, uh, and so... On the COVID things, I'll just mention two things. We still have a government in our country that is legitimizing the COVID vaccines, continuing to support the COVID vaccines, continuing to support the idea that young children who have exactly zero risk from COVID, uh, or and even if they could happen to contract it, they have zero risk of death. So, you, But you still have the government pushing the COVID vaccines, still in bed with the pharmaceutical industries, and yet, it's like this parallel universe, the government pushing it, the pharmaceutical companies are pushing and saying more and more and more, everyone's got to get vaccinated for everything. And yet you have data being provided by actual experts over and over and over. And more people are reading that and you're waiting for the elected officials to process it. It's like you're waiting for the elected officials to process, uh, you know, the COVID data we're talking about anyway, for the process you know, the, the climate data, how can they sit in Congress, have all the information that I'm providing you that anyone can read from actual PhDs who study these things and still go along with the climate alarmism agenda? It is lunatic. Well, same thing is true in the vaccines. So two recent articles I urge you to read. Uh, one is has to do with the uncovering by, um, which I'm very, very grateful for, uh, the uncovering by communications between the United States government and the UK, the um, United Kingdom, the England's government, um, discussing um, discussing reactions to the COVID shots um, and um, and emphasizing in these communications the need for mutual confidentiality regarding the COVID shots and in particular uh, regarding the dangers flowing from the shots. So as they have pushed to get discovery, uh, Judicial Watch actually got, which I love that group, Judicial Watch actually got a great deal of information. And, and you know, they sue, they get to court through FOIA requests, wherever their laws are available, they get information and they provide it to the public. That's what Judicial Watch does. Tom Fitton, you know, he just knocks it out. So they have all this information now that the UK and US government knew the danger of the vaccines, knew how <clears throat> excuse me, um, how dangerous they were, how un unsuccessful, ineffective they were. And instead of saying, hey, wait, 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 let's hold off here on these shots. What they did was agree with each other not to let people know, to kind of keep it to ourselves. Uh, they talked about it. They actually had a mutual confidentiality agreement regarding this topic um, and went on to, um, it, there was a series of email exchanges starting in December of 2020. Uh, back and forth between the UK. Um, in fact, was, I'll tell you exactly. Uh, initiated by Jonathan Mogford, policy director um, of the UK's Medicines and Healthcare Products Regulatory Agency, sent to FDA Commissioner Janet Woodcock 
and Peter Marks, director of the Center for Biologics Evaluation and Research. They had, I mean, they're aware of these terrible reactions. Um, I don't want to mispronounce the word, but terrible reactions in individuals with a strong history of allergic reactions. They're aware these vaccines were very dangerous. And the decision was just to keep it from the public. Related to that is danger flowing from the COVID vaccines. This has been a great deal of information pulled together, um, excuse me, uh, by Edward Dowd. Um, and I'm just gonna tell you a quick summary of that, but you can read this more. So we live in this universe where you have the government, including almost everyone on the left and far too many on the right in the government saying nothing and certainly not advocating for healthcare freedom, not advocating for transparency for the pharmaceutical companies, not advocating that the government put out all the information they have. They're helping the government keep things quiet. But the Edward Dow's data is about damage from the COVID shots. Here's a quick summary. Estimated human uh, costs just in 2022 in the, in the United States, just in 2022, in the United States, flowing from the COVID vaccines, estimated human costs, 26.6 million injuries, 1.36 million disabilities, and over 300,000 excess deaths. Over 300,000 excess deaths. I mean, he has far more data. I'm not gonna read it all to you. I urge you to read this, or again, link to this article called COVID Shot Damage Report revealing alarming human and economic costs. He covers not just the human costs of death and injury um, and disabilities, I mean, actual permanent disabilities, but the financial costs too. And yet we roll along in this country and seemingly we're kind of okay with this. We don't have the government speaking up. We don't have, we have very few in Congress or in the state legislatures responding to the people. And so this is, you wanna understand why people are very upset in America and very concerned we can't see the government looking out for the people. We can't see the government responding to facts, even when the facts are known to us about climate change, about COVID. And then one last thing, because I, I don't have a ton of time for this story, but I also wanna just talk about the crazy emerging on gender lunacy, on gender lunacy. This, you know, I am what I say I am. That's what gender ideology is all about the idea. I just get to say what I am. I decide what I think is what I am. So if I decide today I'm a woman or I'm a man, that's what I am. My bodily, you know, my biology has nothing to do with it. That is what, uh, that's what they're trying to, um, that's what they're pushing. And so it's gotten, as you know, I've been on the show many times talking about this. In fact, I tell you, by the way, I talked to a uh, millennial a couple weeks ago um, who was saying, you know, and who's a leftist, you know, total leftist. And um, he was saying, you know, um, I don't even understand what conservatives get so wound up about. All you guys ever talk about is the border and the trans issue. I mean, you never talk about anything else. And I said, well, that's not really true. And I talk about the things I talk about on my show. But, you know, it did occur to me, and it's occurred to me reading other things, that some people don't grasp why the transgender issue is such a fundamental issue in America. Why is not just about, you know, Christian thought? Why is not just a religious issue? I do think it is tied 
to the idea of a creator. And man, as Genesis says, man made an image and like an image likeness of God. And man, God made us, male and female made he us. You know, that's 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 Genesis, that's the Bible. But you don't have to believe that if you're an American. I mean, you're not required. But that is where a lot of the objection to the transgender thing is. But even more so, or, or, or in addition to that, not more so, but in addition to that, this whole trans thing, you know, it became, it's become a craze. It's like this, it, it's like this, it's a fad, it's a craze. It's not rational. It's not tied to science. The left always says, oh, follow the science, listen to me. You know, so Fauci lies about the science of COVID and the vaccines and ivermectin and uh, hydroxychloroquine and and he'll be death. Fauci lies about Fauci lies about the science and still says, "I am science. I am science." Listen to me. It's like a mesmerized thought he's trying to to inflict on society uh, with respect to COVID. Well, the same things kind of happen in this transgender thing. It's all of a sudden like the the biggest you know contagion out there. Like like. Believing in transgenderism, that you are whatever you say you are, this transgender ideology, it's like a contagion worse than COVID, worse than any, you know, virus spreading around. It's a virus in thought. It's a lunatic level virus in thought that causes people to embrace irrational things, utterly irrational things like I really am what I want to be instead of what I really am. And so, you know, it's one thing to say to this young millennial who is saying, why do you care so much? You know, it is partly because, in large part because, it's being pushed on very young children in schools. It's even, but even pushing it in high school, even pushing it as a real thing, as a, as a real science to young people, even at the high school ages, when you, you know, if you all remember your adolescent ages, your junior high, your high school, a lot of times you feel insecure, not too sure of yourself, you know, and you look for something to give you identity, something to give you, you know, something you can say is unique about you. Well, that's really kind of what happened with this transgenderism thing. We end up with people leaping into the transgender agenda and then soon realizing they have no idea what they've done to themselves and they've harmed themselves. But the other thing that's happened is it's impacted really even our national security. Even our national security. I'll quick play a clip for you. Uh, this is, if you can believe this, the United States Navy, the United States Navy has an ad they're putting out because they are way down in recruitment. They can't, in recruitment, they can't get people to sign up. They have a new ad appealing to transgenders uh, to join the Navy, and we'll quickly pay, play a short portion of that ad. I hear the train is coming. It's rolling around the bend. <clears throat> and I ain't seen the sunshine. <laughs> I don't know when. I'm stuck in holes of bread. And time keeps dragging on. Okay, you can cut it off. Don't run out of time here, but that um, person doing that, if you, I, I'm sorry, if you're just listening, you can't see it, but it is an actual member of the Navy. It's a yeoman um, and second class, yeoman second class named Joshua Kelly, who has since 2018 been performing drag shows. And he has a stage name. It's a guy. And he's, you see him in the video first as a guy. And then you see him dressed up as a woman with tons of makeup on and um, and dressed in women's clothing and you know seductive clothing and seductive dancing all that. 
He's got a stage name called, his stage name is Harpy Daniels. Like that's a name he gave himself when he's pretending he's a girl, Harpy Daniels. So he does his performances at various Navy things. And now the Navy is using his videos of him, a guy, dressing as a woman in women's clothing and dancing around seductively and doing a split and, uh, you know, just, just behaving, so blowing kisses, just, you know, just excruciatingly gross in any case. So it's a guy dressed up as a woman who's a drag queen and he also declares himself as non-binary. And this is why I talk about this contagion of thought, this contagion like a, a bad virus. It has gotten to the point that the United States military, the Navy, will use a guy entertaining like that in a recruiting video to try to lure people to join the military by putting that out. And they're just saying, well, we gotta appeal to all Americans, you know, we gotta appeal to everybody. And, you know, and so, and not only is it out as a military recruitment video, but it's being sent around the world. I just want you to picture the look on the face of China's Xi Jinping seeing a video, American Navy recruiting video of some mentally ill young man. And that's what you are when you dress up as the opposite sex and dance around. Drag queen, you know, the whole transgender thing, it's a mental illness. It is not healthy, it is not normal. And frankly, most people know that. In any case, picture the look in the face of Xi Jinping when he sees that's what we think of ourselves. That's how we recruit for the Navy. That's who we're trying to bring into the Navy. That is what we are saying in America is the norm for Americans. I mean, you might as well surrender now because we're telling him our military has lost their minds. So wrap up, go back to my first point of the show. I gotta get to my why it matters to you, but the idea of defending America first or fix America first, there are just you know, and, and back to my analogy to, to what was happening in World War II, it's described in that book. There's a need for the people of America collectively to recognize we face many, 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 many serious issues. The border, uh, the loss of healthcare freedom, you have COVID tyranny, uh, we have an education system overwhelmed with anti-Americanism, with critical race theory and anti-Americanism. Uh, we have a border where we have just enemy combatants at the ready flooding over our southern border. And this is why, and this is the seriousness uh, with which I criticize not only Mitch McConnell, but many people in Washington. I want to hear them talking about the serious issues. I, I, I think the American people are sick and tired of thinking it's our job to defend Ukraine, which, which is the money laundering capital of the world, money laundering capital of the world, run by a guy who behaves like a totalitarian and, and, and yet all, and scolds America for not sending more money or send more money fast enough. So I, I mean, I just, I think with Mitch McConnell in particular, I know he's probably on his way out of the Senate and I really hope he is. I think he's long overdue to party in the Senate but we need a turn towards seriousness in the politics of America, a turn towards seriousness by our elected leaders, uh, House and Senate, by the state houses all across this country, a seriousness that aims to actually fix, correct, address, stop negotiating with, with idiocy, 
stop negotiating with the left on all sorts of issues and stand up and speak up for America. Okay, I'm past time, which sometimes happens, but uh, I want to tell you again, as I do at the close of every show, why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So, I'm starting the show talking about Fix, the, uh, fix America First, Mitch. Uh, Senator Mitch McConnell appears in D.C., but he yields a speaking role to Senator John Thune. McConnell does not look well. He's not recovered well from his fall. Yet, a tweet from McConnell's office reemphasizes money for the Ukraine as America's number one priority. And, and it's just not. The American people do not believe support for Ukraine is America's number one priority. America is broken in spending, defense, border security, urban decay, and violence, public health and public health. Putin has been resisted in the Ukraine. Russia is not storming all of Ukraine or anywhere else. But drone assassination attempt on Putin, I didn't get to that, there was a drone assassination attempt on Putin. Unclear if the U.S., Ukraine, whoever, it risks World War III and nuclear devastation. And so, why is escalation of Ukraine conflict in America's interest? Americans have lost all trust and confidence in massively out-of-touch uniparty elitists. Defeat of hate America leftists ought to be America's number one priority. And climate alarmism, a cruel, dangerous fraud. Josh Hawley exposes Biden's Secretary of the Interior. Fighting climate change is more important to her than jobs for Americans. And Senator Kennedy exposes Biden's Department of Energy official. If the request for $50 trillion for fighting climate change is granted, how much will temperatures change? The DOE, the Department of Energy, has no answer because nobody knows the answer and nobody cares. They just want the money. 15-minute cities eliminate freedom in the name of convenience and fighting climate change. All of this is about a non-existent crisis that small minds have been convinced to fear. Bracketing temperature data around limited timescales deliberately misleads. I had a great expert on that point, too. I didn't get to him today. A CO2 is 0.04% of the Earth's atmosphere. It is essential to life. No evidence of danger in the current data. It's time to call BS on the entire climate change scam. And our COVID vaccines are a cruel, dangerous fraud. Prior to approval of Pfizer COVID vaccine, U.S. and U.K. health officials entered into an agreement not to disclose the adverse vaccine events. Uh, FOIA litigation has exposed breadth of official government-sanctioned non-disclosure cooperation. Edward Dowd assembled group life insurance data showing, and please grasp this number, showing a 40% excess mortality in the USA in 2021 and 2022. Steve Kirsch, another great writer on Substack, relentless, irrefutable Substack posts documenting vaccines as unsafe and ineffective. Is it really extreme to characterize public health official behavior as crimes against humanity? If their behavior is excused based on initial uncertainties, what is their excuse now? Americans' trust in public health officials has collapsed, and rightfully so. And on gender lunacy, another cruel, dangerous fraud, the U.S. Navy releases recruiting video featuring a sailor performing as a drag queen. Who responds favorably to this recruiting message? What kind of soldier or sailor is the Navy envisioning from this recruiting video? What enemy can be defeated by a fighting force comprised of drag queens? Does the military of China or Russia 
fear a U.S. military that recruits on this basis. This is the product of leftist infiltration of the U.S. military begun under Obama that is intended to weaken and ultimately destroy the U.S. military, and it is working. Do enough Americans care to demand a stop to this nonsense? And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Tomorrow on this show, we have a great guest in studio, Frank Gaffney, founder of Center for Security Policy, an enormous asset. Things national security. Don't miss out. Tune in to America Can um, and every day at 3 p.m. Central Time, I do this show, America Can We Talk, to speak truth about America because America matters. And I will talk to you next time. America, can we talk truth about America? Can you hear